disclaimer before we begin today's pod. We took a short break before we recorded this Tokyo 2020 recap. And then I took a huge break before editing and releasing the episode. So some of the information, while correct at time of recording, at least by Olympopod standards, might be a little out of date by now. This includes, but not limited to, talking about the Paralympics being a future event, as opposed to an event two days from its conclusion. Sorry about that. But the great thing about the Olympopod is that it is meant to be a historical look back at the games, and if anything, the history has just got a little bit more historier. And it is, if I say so myself, worth the wait, and we will very shortly be resuming normal services. So, without further ado, enjoy this two-week-old recording of me and Chris doing what we do best. And I'll leave it up to you as to exactly what that is. Ah, the sweet sound of Olympopod. How we miss thee. We've had two weeks to partially digest the 2020 and Tokyo Olympic Games, but today I am ready to chew the golden cud with longtime co-host Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Ruth. We're back. We're back. And on the eve, if I do say so, like giving away when we're actually recording this, on the eve of the Paralympics. Yeah, yeah. Now, the only thing is, okay, it's the eve of the opening ceremony of the Paralympics. And what I learned for during the Olympics is that they count day one as being the other day, as it being Wednesday. So actually, mm. you're wrong, Chris. On the eve of the eve. We could pretend to the listeners that we're recording on Tuesday. And yeah. Then we would also raise questions as to why we're not talking about what happened in the opening ceremony. Oh. So hard. Okay. Well, so Chris, on our last mini pod, we firmly decided that we were going to be supporting the Faroe Islands uh, for the Paralympics. We had been behind Denmark for the Olympics. Uh, we said Faroe Islands. That's that's going to be our our team. Yeah, no. and uh, how are our cohort of, uh, I'd say, about, about 47 athletes? How is yeah. that looking? Yeah, Chris, um, I, I think we said that without Googling what, 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 what the, uh, their team would look like. So they have one athlete, um, the triathlete Havard Vattenhammer. Good name. Who will be representing the Faroe Islands in the marathon. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he uh, he changed his discipline for this Paralympics and he's going to be representing in the marathon. Now, something I discovered. Now, obviously, we've already made our decision. He is is going to be our hope for this Paralympics. Um, But you know who's very good at the Paralympic Games? Jason Smith. Okay, I was going to say a country that we could support is it, is it ireland it is yes. ireland's very good at the paralympics yes oh. we were, and we send a huge team so we should all be getting behind it and watching yeah although this time i think it's one of the smallest teams i'm not sure if it's um not not smallest teams overall but smallest teams for ireland and in a while and i wonder 
if that is something to do with the fact that Ireland has been Ireland's sporting landscape has been completely decimated by uh, COVID and the responses to it, I think, including for para athletes. Yeah, I think um, it is something that's repeated across the board uh, in mm. other countries. Um, I don't think anyone is sending their largest team ever. Yeah, um, but it, but also just simply because of qualifiers. Another thing I heard. I, yeah. I believe I I believe I read actually that that was the reason why our guy from the pharaohs i think possibly i read that that's the reason he's not doing the triathlon is because uh of the, the just the, the how difficult it's been over the last couple of years um for qualifiers okay yeah to ha- just, just to even stage them right right okay yeah because uh, i had also read that this is like the first time that there's qualification for a lot of events and interesting though that he qualifies for the marathon i guess it's easier to host the marathon uh, then a triathlon that qualifies for Paralympics. But there you go. Uh, I think it's the first time that Faroe Islands have sent somebody who is not a swimmer, purely a swimmer, to the Paralympics. I would have to Wikipedia that. <laughs> that sounds true. I, I, that it sounds true. It feels like something I read back when we last spoke about this, which was yeah. two weeks ago. So, you know, in my defense, I think they've only sent swimmers in the past. You're correct. Boom. You oh, are yes. Correct. Um, Heidi Andresen, she got three silvers in the pool in Sydney 2000 and won bronze. And then she repeated in 2004 with uh, bronze. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, now, and, 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 so, and sorry, there are also Tora Vid Gildu, Christina Nace, and. Catherine Johansson. Um, another Faroe Islands news, seeing as who spent the first seven minutes on this podcast talking about it, or not talking Chris, about it also. it's not the first seven minutes because it's going to be a lot of culture. Yeah, the first seven minutes of recording, not seven minutes of the podcast, <laughs> that uh, Faroe Islands may well have a sporting team worthy of playing in the Olympics someday on their very own because their handball team are... Well, their under-19 handball team just won the European B Championship, which will promote them up to the full European Championship. They've also got one, one player called Elias Skipagutu at Ellefson. Um, and uh, he is touted to be one of the best players in the world to come. He's only 17 now. So, yeah, hopefully by the time the Faroe Islands gets their Olympic independence, their handball team will be ready to qualify for them. Yeah, and I also just want to say to the Faroese National Olympic Committee, if we are butchering your famous athletes' names, um, we would like to come to the Faroe Islands and see all your athletes. Uh, myself and Chris, oh. we, 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 we will campaign for you. The Olympopod is all for you to have a full Olympic status. So, you know, just invite us over um, and... Yeah, we'll do our thing. I've uh, I've completely ruined. I actually got it the wrong way around. It's Elias Ellefson Eskipiotu. And he's 19 now. He was 17 when I met him last year. Now he's 19. Do you want to do that bit again? There you or go. Like just no, it's fine. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm comfortable with my mistakes. I, you know, that's what we're here for, yeah, to well, learn. Well, and, and that's also why the Faroe Islands needs to invite us over. Yeah. Um so that we can be more knowledgeable and spread our knowledge to the rest of the world. I honestly was not prepared for this to be the start of the podcast, seeing as we were supposed to be talking about what has happened <laughs> at 
the now ancient Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, it's a- it was a big part of our Olympics. Yeah. Like we did spend a lot of time talking about the Faroe Islands and Denmark. So, I mean, we have to chat about at least one of them. It is very on brand. Yeah. Okay, then, Chris. What stories you want to tell me from this? Uh, may I start with a new story? A st- you may. I've got lots of new stories. Oh, great. <laughs> a story which um, happened during the Olympics, but only came to my attention and kind of escalated after the Olympics. And it may sound like a drugs bust, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> this is a very nice story. Hansel Parchment, Ruth. Was he on your notes? He was. Ah, we can share the story then because it is one of the best stories, isn't it? It is. Hansel Parchment, who, uh, well, let's set the scene. Let's set the scene, shall we? Yes. While he was on his way to the, well, he thought he was on his way to the semifinals of the men's 110 meter hurdles. He actually took the wrong bus though. And as athletes often do, while they're on the bus, they're listening to music and just minding their own business, trying to get into whatever headspace is best for them as they build up to one of the biggest moments in their lives. Then realize that he was at a bus nowhere near the Olympic track and field stadium, stranded and with little time to get back in the track. <laughs> Parchments. Okay, just to go, just to go, just to go back a little bit. And um, you're right; he was not at the stadium. He was at what he called one of them aquatic place. Or some kind of rowing or something like that. I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was at the Sea Forest Waterfront. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, all the official Tokyo 2020 cars were booked and taking a, b- a bus back to the Olympic Village and then another one to the stadium would have basically left him with no time to make it to the start line. If I'd have done that, he said, I wouldn't have got there in time to even warm up. I had to find another way. I was trying to get one of those branded cars for the games to take me, but these people are very strict and adhering to the rules, and I would have had to book the car from beforehand to get it to leave, he said. Yeah. That's when he saw Tiana, Ruth. Yep. Tiana Kawashima Stoikovic uh, took pity on him, uh, he said, nothing I can do with the cards, but here's all the money to get the taxi to the Olympic Stadium. He, of course, gets to the stadium in time. He places second in the semi behind Grant Holloway, which secures him a final spot, which the next day he wins ahead of Grant Holloway in 13.04 seconds. And in um, So he said, you were instrumental for getting me to the final that day uh, as they posed for a photo. And um, I'm... Well, when I was writing the notes for this, I'm not sure exactly how far this has gotten yet, but uh, the Sunday Gleaner reported that Jamaica's Minister for Tourism intends to host her on a trip to the Caribbean island, uh, which is Jamaica. No matter where in the world she is, we want to reciprocate the kindness shown to one of our own, Jamaica's Minister for Tourism, Edmund Bartlett, said. Yes, she was hosted in the Jamaican embassy. Uh, She was given the news that she would be going on an all-expense-paid luxury tour of Jamaica. She's staying in five of the best hotels in the presidential suites when she's finally allowed to travel. And she'll get to see all the culture of Jamaica. So it pays to be kind, folks. Yeah, that's definitely a story. Except maybe the kindness. 
Oh, there's some kindness as well in the early Olympopods. But definitely most of this story does like does adhere to the rules of the stories we were looking for in the early Olympopods. So yeah. definitely a nice one to I would say kick off to kick off yeah. after the Faroe Islands bits. And just one final note. Um Tiana now has one hundred and sixteen thousand Instagram followers. Oi. Uh she has she has fifteen posts. And she has Hansley replying with emojis to her posts, leading to one observer to reply, bro, chill. <laughs> oh, way to ruin a good story, whoever that guy is. Oh, scumbag of the week, perhaps? <laughs> well, okay, I mean, yeah, I, I might have a different scumbag of the week to you, because I mean... So, unless, you know, we might have just been reading the same feed of stories. Oh, no, I don't have one, I don't think. Well, oh, I mean, right. besides besides those who have been for. busted okay, so, for so, so drugs. Scoop of the week, I think, um, obviously, we've already mentioned uh, in our mini pods, Morhad Amdouni, the French marathon runner, mm. who knocked over every single water bottle save one which he took for himself and all the Japanese runners behind him couldn't get any water and he since said that the bottles were and I quote slippery <laughs> what do you think Chris? Well, too slippery to, to grip to his outstretched palm as he brushed by them all and tried to not grab any until the final one which he could perfectly grab with no hesitation or issue yeah. Go fuck yourself! <laughs> but Chris, can't believe you tried to to fashion that one out. That just makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least but, admit you're a prick. Yeah. But Chris, I've got another story for you. Uh, Has he been we, banned? No, this is a different uh, person. I've got to okay. talk about a different person, and, and it's not a bad person, and it's a good news story because she's going to get something replaced which is japanese softballer miyogatu is to have her gold medal replaced oh this is after the pitcher's original medal was bitten by the mayor of nagoya takashi kawamura yes should stress the medal is not in any way physically damaged by this biting but at least seven thousand complaints were lodged to the city he apologized after Toyosha weighed in saying he had made the symbol of many years of hard work dirty. The 72-year-old politician also kind of apologised for having been overheard asking the 20-year-old Olympic champion if she was prohibited from having romantic relationships. He said, in response to that point, I deeply regret making her uncomfortable with remarks that went too far. When I ask a young person if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, it allows them to relax and speak more. As mayor, it's important to put people one is talking to at ease. Uh, She's getting a new medal, Chris. Good. I mean, I have, there's very little you can say about the second half of that, but the first half of it, biting a medal, I mean, know your pandemics, bro. Know your pandemics, bro. It, yeah, he, he, was, he had been wearing a mask, then lifted his mask down to just bite her medal. Now, I don't know, was the medal on her at the time as well? Because that's an extra added. Ugh. Yeah. Quite. I mean, that's um, you know, five years ago, it would have been like he could, he could have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the weird 
things he said afterwards or during it. I don't know you're ever allowed to bite someone else's medal. You think you're only allowed to bite your own medal? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think like like unless you consent. That's like petting a dog. Having your medal bitten. Mm. I just don't think I don't think you're allowed to bite someone else's medal without permission. There you go. Lesson learned, folks. Consensual medal biting, pandemic or not. Yeah, listeners, write into the Olympopod and tell us what you think about the line between biting of other people's medals. I think you're pretty, I think it's spot on. <laughs> Don't think we need to divide <laughs> the nations here. I think we're, we're, we're pretty good. <laughs> um, Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Remember her? I do. Saying it's on Jamaica and Sprinters from earlier, or we were on them. Um, just a couple of days ago, um, almost broke the world record in the women's 100 meters uh, and a, a brilliant follow-up display after winning the uh, winning gold uh, in Tokyo. Just um, brought the her own record, uh, her own personal record down to 10.54 in the Diamond League very recently and uh, is just off, I think, five hundredths of a second off the actual world record or the current world record, which... Um, is Florence Griffith Joyner's. She beat Griffith Joyner's Olympic record uh, in Tokyo. Now just a world record to go. Big questions over whether this should actually be given as the world record at the moment for things that may or may not come up in the 1988 Olympopod. Look out for that one. Yeah, I think commentators have got very good at talking about uh, the records at the moment. Uh, Saying, like, oh, it's the record... Since ninety, yeah, <laughs> just glossing over. It's like, oh, why don't we count before then? However, there is no way of ever proving or disproving anything uh, from that particular period. Yeah, uh, um, especially as she is deceased, so we will never know the truth. And so the the uh, record stands. But as you said, she looks very close to being able to break it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, uh, it's just. Um... Just a bit more to go. And uh, it is interesting because I think in, in sport, there was all, often the, the post-war era used for talking about records. And um, I don't know, post-fall of the Berlin Wall, wall records, maybe? Mm. Uh, approach it the same way that uh, many uh, in the UK and Ireland consider like the beginning of football to be when the Premier League started and just ignored the rest. So the, the early 90s is when we restart the record books. Actually, isn't that what... Seb Co wanted to do, yeah. Or somebody at the IAAF or World Athletics is now called just scrap all the world records and start from zero. Oh my god, can I be like there on the first day to just set some records? (laughs) 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 Uh, And now, Ruth, now comes up Ruth Fitzpatrick representing Ireland for the 100 meter hurdles. Have you seen how tall those hurdles are? And she's completed it in 6.28 minutes. She looks really tired. <laughs> but at least Climbing over those hurdles are not easy. <laughs> She's... They keep falling over. <laughs> she stopped for a break as well at one point. <laughs> but at least I'd have a Wikipedia page. You would. You would. Um what else do you remember? What 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 news stories have you got? Oh well well, staying on the track. Um yeah. now we've had a good news story about friendship and love and what not. However, let's go to the, the more murky side 
And in fairness, it's more murky of the media. But anyway, it's Italy's double gold medalist, Lamont Marcel Jacobs, whose wins came under immense scrutiny from sections of the British media, said, It made me smile when he heard of CJ Uja's provisional suspension for alleged doping violations. After seeing the investigation into Uja, he said, I'd say that maybe it's better to look at your own situation first before attacking others. I'd like to think that he said that quite, like, I'd prefer if the journalist had said, he said, sassily. I mean, he probably said with a very strong Italian accent. Yeah, he does does claim to not be very good at English. So I would say he said that Italianly. Uja was part of the of the Team GB team who won silver in the 4x100 men's relay. Um, as I said, he is provisionally suspended, so we'll have to wait and see. There, there's been no further news as to if that's going to affect the 4x100 uh, standings. Mm. Also, there's a lot of uh, a lot of hassle being thrown uh, Marcel Jacobs' way after there was news out that he wasn't going to compete again this season, mm. that he'd done enough for the Olympics and that was it. And then most of the top athletes in the world do one meet in the Diamond League and then announce they're finishing their season. So one race later, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. And um, there was, there, there is incredibly serious allegations and also, I believe, full-blown charges against a nutritionist connected to uh Lamont Marzell Jacobs. Uh, but there is mm. but he had already cut his ties with the man and there is no uh question is question the right words? There's no <laughs> there's there's no reason to believe that he's in any way connected. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Good. Excellent. Uh- um, the next day, the Olympopod was found <laughs> mysteriously floating in the daughter. Yeah, good. Very good. But is, 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 there, is there any other way I can say that? <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, no, I just have to think about a nice transition out of it. I'm glad we met Dallas Openhoser, claiming he nearly got eaten by a Jaguar. Yes. <laughs> like, do you know Tell what, me, do, I mean, do you know what the thing is that I was thinking? when I was like thinking about what I wanted to say today, what what sort of stuff I still remembered after my two weeks of trying to detox myself off Olympics. I think there's a couple of stories from this Olympics that would 100% make their way onto a future Olympopod, like in a, a 100 years time Olympopod. And we'd be like, ah, that's so funny. Those crazy people in 2021, mm. including Dallas Oberholzer, Claiming he was nearly he nearly got eaten by a jaguar, including that he was another person with a connection to Tarzan. Um, I think the parchment uh story one hundred percent we'd be talking about. Yeah, and probably the weird mayor biting other people's medals without consent. I think those would all have gone in. Yeah, I mean for for the bizarre sides of it, one hundred percent. I think there were also a lot of like. Not to say those stories aren't genuine, <laughs> but also a lot of genuine sporting yes, stories yeah. that also would have gotten into it. But that's but that's the stuff you bring to the Olympic Fod, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, um, every Summer Olympics since 1936, the Val Barker Trophy has been awarded to the most outstanding boxer of the Games. 
and in 2016, it extended itself to even awarding a second trophy to the most outstanding lady boxer of the Games. But also in 2016, all 36 referees and judges were suspended and the International Boxing Association, the AIBA, was suspended too. So there was no AIBA this year at the, at the Olympics at all, <laughs> which meant there was no Val Barker Trophy for the first time since 1936. And while I was looking at that, because that's the only fact I've got that is relevant to this uh, this year, because it just didn't happen. But only on three occasions has the trophy not been awarded to a gold medalist. And this is a bit this is a bit of a teaser because I think we'll definitely be talking about at least one of these uh, two. So it went to the USA's Roy Jones Jr. in nineteen eighty eight and to Kenya's mm-hmm. uh, Philip Warungi in nineteen sixty eight. But as I said, they're probably prime subjects for future Olympopods. But the inaugural winner of the trophy was Louis Lou Laurie. He took bronze in Berlin nineteen six before he became a boxer. He was an acrobatic champion two years running. The American lost his semi-final in points to the Argentinian Alfredo Calamano, but he thoroughly impressed the crowds and officials throughout the tournament with his highly scientific method of boxing and was asked to return to the ring for an exhibition. And in fact, he remained in Germany for a further two months showing off his box. Wow. Um I love that it's given to like the most scientific boxer according to his Wikipedia page as opposed to the most outstanding boxer. But yeah, he uh he won his bronze medal bout. He had to win a bronze medal bout back in those days, and I'm very impressed that you managed to bring this all the way back to 1936. Mm-hmm. Uh he won that by walkover. Yeah. Against Alfredo Carlo Magno from Argentina. Yeah. And I but think despite that was impressive in the rest of his fights. Yeah. And I think um talking about the fantastic news stories of these games, uh, I think especially from an Irish perspective, Kelly Harrington really inspired the nation. Um and she's continuing to just be an absolute uh credit to herself and and to the sport. Um and I think she would have been a very strong contender for this year's award had it been um, given. I think so as well. Yeah, definitely one of the most kind of comprehensive winners and uh, a lot of people gushing over how technically brilliant uh, she is. And so, yeah, big questions about her future as well, whether she uh, hangs on amateur for another three years, tries to win another one or goes into the professional game and uh, potentially one day uh, leading up to a fight with Ireland's other trailblazing female boxer, Katie Taylor. Yeah. And I suppose one of the reasons that I looked into this is because, as I said, the AIBA was not allowed to take part this year. They are trying to reform so that they will be allowed back in for Paris. But one of the big news stories for me was the fact that... uh, we may not have weightlifting. Weightlifting could get taken out of the Olympics. Chris. What's the latest on that? I, Chris, I, I can't even look. It's too traumatic. Um, <laughs> basically, the IOC has decided that they will have executive power to remove, hmm. ah, how to put it, corrupt bodies uh, from the Olympic family. And uh, yeah, they 
historically would have a smidgen of corruption in their ranks. Hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to see, Chris. Some people a smidgen. are a smidgen, a smidgen, Chris. Um, some people are saying it could be the end of them, but I, 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 I don't know, Chris. I don't know. I don't know. The hmm. last time they tried to take out Greco-Roman uh, wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestlers went on hunger strike. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm going to go on hunger strike if they take out weightlifting, but I will send some scathing tweets. The the prospect of weightlifters going on hunger strike is not one that I can really fathom at the moment. <laughs> but, it's like, what? I can't have my protein shakes either? <laughs> no! But but actually, that, that um, is a good uh, point for us to start talking about, because we... I said I really liked karate, particularly imaginary fighting karate. Um, Ima- yeah, but the, I, we're talking about giving things real names. <laughs> a kata. A kata. But it's only in for the one. Yes. Now, there has been a petition within France to try and get it stated for the night. Uh, to try and get it. <laughs> Oh my God, there were too many Paris Olympics <laughs> to try and get it into the schedule for Paris 2024. Uh, the organizers have said, oh, no, we finished the schedule. You can't just put in another sport. But anyway, people are trying. Um, but when you and I last spoke, now I believe it was us speaking without a recorder. It was uh, one of those talks. We've just mentioned the breakdancing or dare I, I should say to give its proper name breaking break. oh is it oh, breaking break. no is it breaking? breaking I think it's breaking it's breaking yeah break is breaking. way too short <laughs> <laughs> okay okay wait okay imagine that's in the schedule everyone's like alright it's a break I guess I'll get lunch <laughs> I'll get a coffee now <laughs> what's that sick tune ah never mind <laughs> <laughs> Sick tune. Oh my god. I tried to get the lingo, Chris, before <laughs> it are. gets brought in. You're such a B girl. Okay, well, indeed. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you and I watched a bit of breaking uh, from the Youth Olympics. And mm-hmm. with you and I, we are bored. Yes. Um, it is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely not worse than some current currently scheduled olympic sports for example and uh, dare i say it no see if you say that chris no okay well i'm thinking okay there's human say- dancing or there's horse dancing okay and i chris, think we're all on board chris, with you, which one chris 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 did you watch any artistic swimming i'm talking about dressage yeah did you watch any artistic swimming yes okay have you changed your position i'm fine with it yeah, I just think there should be a bit of more gender equality. There should. And actually, that was something I thought about the breaking. Do you actually need to have it in gender? Uh, I, I I, am not in a position to answer that because I don't know what they're actually scored on. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, you could ask if it's based on like different kind of moves, which are perhaps uh, more power based or perhaps better for lighter people to do then maybe it is better to uh, be able to divide it but um i don't know maybe it should be like sport climbing and it's all thrown in together yeah but talking about equality the paris 24 is going to be 50 50 
That's great. I believe. Look at things going the first time that it's 50-50. So you don't need to worry about the lack of male representation in the artistic swimming. Uh, that may be the only time I am ever concerned about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. No, that's giving it too much. That it may be the only time I am expressing a hint of concern about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, but, oh, those those misandrists in the pool. Oh, would you would you stop it? <laughs> but seeing as we did, we're talking about mixed gender, um, it's been the highlight of these games. Yeah, it's been fantastic, particularly the triathlon. I yes, was all over the triathlon, really. Love it. Uh, really, really good. And the fact that they they made them all like go over and over again. That it wasn't just like a one one burst each. Like that it was re- repetitive. Uh, I think it evened the playing field quite a bit in comparison to say the the four by four hundred meter uh, running relay, where there was. Although I thought that was also brilliant and amazing that Poland won gold in that. There was kind of some bounce back about like the the teams already being uh, set, knowing which way is the best formation. You know, uh, we need a bit more variability, perhaps. And I think the triathlon offered that. Yeah, I do. Not- I one hundred percent agree with the triathlon. I think it made it very easy watching, as, as, as which I mean in a good way. I, I thought it was very enjoyable to watch. Hmm. In regards to the criticism of the it becoming too formulaic for the mixed gender uh relays on the track i just sort of feel like but that's fine i don't i don't really mind if everyone goes out with one man then one woman then one woman then one man like if that's the formula that works i mean if it was a single gender they would also go with their best Mm. formula and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's less of a race no, no, and I wonder because there, there was a in the first year or so of it, there was a lot of chopping and changing, and some teams were experimenting. Maybe it'll get to a point where they just assign the first and the third leg to men, and the second and the fourth leg to women, yeah. for example. So it's always uh, kind of a everyone facing their own gender, which is the case now anyway. So maybe they they maybe mix it up a bit uh, and so it's not just the men starting and finishing all the time that's what i have a bit more of an issue with mm. i think it feel, it's like if it's the men starting and finishing and, and the women are just kind of squeezed in there in the center um yeah that's what i'm a bit more concerned about but anyway i hope it stays well it will definitely be there for 24 um and i hope yeah it becomes a more regular feature and we start bringing it more into different uh spheres yeah. Um, in swimming it worked well as well yeah it did but even in team games we already know that um, at an amateur level and at a local level level there is a lot more mixed gender sport there's no reason why at the olympic games we couldn't start experimenting with a lot more gender mixing sure we know it goes on in the athlete's village might as well put, start <laughs> put it on the pitch <laughs> Uh, before we go away from triathlon, I just I need to mention this because it is a story that would definitely be in a historical Olympopod when the media boat got in the way of the start of the men's triathlon Loved and it. half of the athletes dived in, half of them didn't. And uh, it, only, okay, it took about 100 meters until they got dragged back. The ones that didn't dive in were cowards. They should have swum beneath the boat. 
I think it had an engine. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my words, Chris. Oh dear. Uh, well, uh, you know I'm glad... I like. You know that I'm... I like obstacles in my swimming. I'm glad you're not in charge of the International Triathlon Union then. <laughs> the real modern pentathlon. <laughs> Go under oh. this this boat. Oh my god. Oh, let's not even. Oh, I was going to say while we're on the Madame Pentathlon, but no, it doesn't even deserve to be mentioned here. Well, I think it does deserve to need. It does deserve to be mentioned simply because I have offered so many alternatives to the pentathlon. Um, okay, one horse supposedly got punched, um, and people are up in arms about that. I mean, yeah, that's not what I'm up in arms about. No, I know, I know. Some people are up in arms about the punching of the horse. Other people are up in arms about the horses just being dicks. I mean, maybe they're the dicks of the week. I don't know. Scumbag. Scumbags of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you send me an article about a a potential replacement for it? Sure I did, Chris. Uh, Or was that somebody else? About about modern pentathlon and how it is basically not fit for purpose anymore. No, I didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think we should have a think about it. And we should change it up. I think there should be five disciplines in it. I know that's a pretty radical thought, but I, I do think that there should be five different disciplines in it. Not like uh, have fencing, then fencing plus, then a biathlon uh then you know i so I, I just think we should have five things that we decide on obviously number one you have obstacle swimming that goes without saying do you want fencing chris i i fear the wrath of star listener david neary if i say no okay uh we'll more have fencing more, of anything more, more fencing maybe anything. So, maybe so- without the protection oh chris Real fencing, anyone? Real fencing, yeah. No, okay. I mean, like, obviously, we don't want death. On just... on guard. <laughs> no, yeah. just first blood. Just first blood. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, we we have priestins. We did have dueling before in the mm. games. So yeah, no, I think we should have uh, fencing, real fencing, uh, obstacle swimming, uh, maybe some sort of like bike polo. Instead of the horses, so like, oh, like a, te- a team, a team event. Not a team event. So we need to. I suppose, suppose real cycling. Then, yeah, I think we should have some real cycling, um, and then we can have the biathlon at the end. And I know I just said that we shouldn't have the biathlon because that's one event. But yeah, we'll have the biathlon at the end. But it is actually winter biathlon. <gasps> <laughs> well, I mean, Chris, we are going to Beijing in three months. No, sorry, five. We are going to Beijing in five months, and there's not going to be any snow. So, I mean, yeah, let's have a Winter Olympics uh, biathlon in the summer, 40 degree heat. <laughs> I love it. And maybe you'll be forced to wear uh, the full the full gear. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a lot more preparation for the military than, you know, what's happening now? Going up on a crazy horse. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's probably... I, I, there might still be listeners who haven't listened to our historic podcasts, um, our historic Olympopods, uh, but we do usually, in these ones, take a sport out and put a sport in. So we're going to put in a new pentathlon. 
and take out the modern pentathlon. This can be the the postmodern pentathlon. The post. <laughs> That's so fitting. Uh, my one of the another happy story because I think we're we're being fairly down in this one. Remember the high jump in the men? I the do. men's high jump? Yeah. Mutaz Barshim and Gianmarco Tamberi, uh, Qatar and Italy. Two great friends who, and with Gianmarco Tamberi, uh, who had come back from a really desperate injury, a ruptured Achilles. And there was a, a very interesting story I read from, which was published uh, quite a while back about when he was coming back from that injury and um, was in his first, one of his first like Diamond League events, so top events and just jumped horribly. Afterwards, he locked himself in his room, wouldn't talk to anyone, but uh, Barshim came to him. He kept knocking at his door saying, come on, let me in and talk. And they talked about it for a long time. He inspired John Marco. And uh, after that, he basically told nobody except for Barshim that he was going to compete in this really low-key event in Hungary, I believe it was, uh, a couple of days later. So he turned off his phone, didn't tell friends or family where he was going, went to this low-key event a couple of days later and had a, a, a very good competition, not like the level he was at um, before, but very close to it and gave him the, uh, say, the... Uh, the knowledge that he could actually be what he used to be and maybe even better. And uh, and here he is now sharing gold medal with one of his best friends. And it was just a beautiful moment of the two of them, not just at the end of the, the high jump. If you're listening to this and you don't know, I don't think you deserve context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this Whoa. is like one of the best known. <laughs> not to come across any, uh, so as sassy, well, we are talking about Italian athletes and we just heard about Sassy Marcel Jacobs. So, but yeah, the two of them who, uh, they were seemingly going to go into a jump off to decide who was going to win gold in the high jump. Uh, in the end, it was Mutaz Barshim who asked, can we both have gold? And uh, with a quick nod between them, when it was confirmed they could, they did it. And yeah, it was a beautiful moment. Uh, the two of them on the t- uh, top of the podium together. Yeah. And talking about a uh, good news story as well that came out of it in a similar way, we had the marathon event where the silver went to Abdi Nagie from the Netherlands and the bronze went to his, his friend Bashir Abdi representing Belgium, both of whom uh, originally from uh, Somalia, both who arrived in to their countries as refugees, both really good friends, and you could see it towards yeah. the end of the race. Uh, Abdi was trying to get his friend Bashir to keep on running, keep on running, and to secure that bronze medal uh, place. And it, it was it was a very beautiful thing to see, especially for a race where we had your man, <laughs> your man Eliud uh, Kipchoge, winning at a canter. No, Morhad Amdouni. Oh, slapping uh, uh, day. Oh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that that is, you know, it, it, no marathon is ever going to match the early marathons. No, but they are not. But it definitely, it 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 got it. It would have a mention it in the overall Olympipod, which which means it did a great job in terms of storylines. And also, it's good to still have a few things, uh, which you know they're better heard as classics, so people today can go, 
oh, that story about the Olympics, while uplifting, um, wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Well, okay, why don't you go back to uh, St. Louis 1904 and listen to that Olympopod? Mm. Yeah. And then you'll get your entire marathon fix. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, other amazing athletes. Going to run through a bunch now because we've been talking for a while. Um, yeah. We've been talking for a while. We also did a lot of uh, stuff that is not going to make the cut, Chris. Uh, time, time, will tell. Uh, time will tell. Carson Varholm and Sydney McLaughlin in the men's and women's 400 meter hurdles, respectively. Amazing, amazing races. Who would have thunk it? The 400 meter hurdles, which is so often kind of overlooked in terms of the sprint events, was perhaps all in all the, the standout sprint events. Uh, really love that. Katie Ledecky. I think we spoke about a few times as well probably the most versatile top-notch swimmer in the world uh, winning the 1500 meter freestyle for the first time that it existed and uh, went from 1500 all the way down to silver in the 400 meters and fifth place in the 200 meters simply amazing um who else do we have that we haven't spoken about? i mean so many simone biles that'll be a story that'll be remembered for its mostly downs and but also kind of the um the positive uh messages she sent out in terms of looking after herself after she had to pull out of the all-around event in the gymnastics um as well as a number of individual ones because she was suffering from the twisties then came back for the beam on the final day of the gymnastics program and managed to get a bronze medal which was brilliant yeah, and, and also, it has to be said, Susina uh, Lee absolutely smashed it when she had to step up to the plate and step up as the number one artistic gymnast for yes. the cycle. Uh, and she got her gold medal as well in the individual. Yeah, she deserved every single uh, medal yeah. that she got. Uh, another nice story I liked was, well, we talked about the Rugby Sevens a lot, which was very impressive, the whole thing. And it's just its second Olympics. And uh, I don't think we talked about uh, Ruby Tui, though, from New Zealand, who uh, went viral with a post-match interview with BBC's Jill Douglas after New Zealand's quarter-final match, where uh, she was talking about the, the Russian Olympic Committee team after they beat them fairly comprehensively, I think it's fair to say. But she was very kind about them and says, you know, among other things, that no matter when you... Uh, no matter... Uh, what game you play against them, uh, it's always going to be tough. But also talked about how they, the Russian Olympic Committee team, had a, a crowdfunding campaign just to get them to it, which she mentioned that some of the New Zealand team actually contributed to, which I think is so lovely. Aww, yeah, so nice. your your opponents yeah. at the highest level of Rugby Sevens at the Olympics um, actually uh, contributing towards uh, an opposing team getting there. Yeah, Ruby Tui in her in all of her interviews, she's so gracious to uh, yeah. her opponents, um, and just has so much space to well, just just to have respect yeah. for them. You know, even when the when the scoreline and often when the New Zealanders are playing, often the scorelines can be a little bit depressing. But no, every single time she just has excellent support and respect for her opponents. So that's nice mm. to see. Yeah, and they went on to win gold. No surprise. They did, of course. Now, the um, did want to say something on the 
the fact that the the um there's been a bit of a, a 180 from scientists about the whole gender thing not that well that's a very broad way of saying the whole gender thing what is it anyway <laughs> um but in a in a games where we had Laurel Hubbard, uh, a weightlifter, become the first openly transgender woman to compete in the Olympics, and where she, um, yeah, failed on her three lifts and then took a bow and and left the stage. Uh, it was only last week that the New York Times um, on another uh, gender issue uh, mentioned that or reported that the controversial rules that were regarding intersex athletes including Castor Semenya, which was a huge case uh, from and prevented Castor from defending her title in the 800-meter uh, race, uh, have come under renewed scrutiny as scientists have issued a correction to the study that indicated a casual connection between high testosterone levels and enhanced athletic performance among elite female athletes. The study that was published in 2017 has been among the evidence used to restrict athletes with a rare genetic condition that results in elevated testosterone levels from entering certain women's events. And that was, I believe, the all of the middle distance events in women's track and field, which is why Castor Semenya had to attempt to uh, run distances that were nowhere near her uh, speciality just to even get to Tokyo. And, uh, well... It's come a little too late, unfortunately, that, uh, that thing. And that really throws the entire uh, question of like testosterone, which, as we've spoken about, uh, is the, the only uh, defining factor at the moment in terms uh, of distinguishing uh, between a male and a female in sport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, the rules that were governing and that were excluding women from the middle distance. Uh, it, 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 they were just, they just didn't make sense. So I'm no. glad that we might be stepping towards some semblance of uh, common sense. You know, like it, it seems mad that you would have, that you could not be considered a woman and run the 400 but, oh, don't worry, you are a woman for the 1500s. Like, it, it, that never really sat right with me. So um, I hope, because this, I have no doubt that this has ruined many people's, not just chances no. at stardom, but has ruined their confidence um, in their personal lives. And so I hope, I hope that this will at least cause less pain in the future for these teenage girls who find their worlds completely turned upside down uh, by sporting bodies thousands of miles away. Yeah, and in Castor's particular case, as well, she's 30 now and hopefully will have um, another opportunity and hopefully wants to take another opportunity, if, if given, to, um, to go back to the distance that she dominated in. And uh, we'll make a glorious return at Olympics level in three years' time. Do we have a happy story to end with? <laughs> no, because it's the Olympopod. <laughs> well, okay. In that case, the happy, Do you? The happy... Hopefully you have one. I don't. So the happy... What? 
Oh, we did this all wrong. <laughs> you swear this is not the first. You swear this is the first one we're doing. Well, it's been uh. a long time. We're a bit rusty, but I suppose the good news story is that there will be more regular. I nearly said irregular. There, there will be more regular Olympic pods to come in the future. Um, and yeah, we're we're gonna do nineteen sixty eight, aren't we, Chris? Yes, we're gonna do nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, we're gonna do nineteen sixty eight, but then we're gonna kind of change tack a little bit uh, because we'll be coming into the fall autumn months and we'll the be fall what are you American we have a lot of American <laughs> listeners they're straight after the Danes um, <laughs> and then you know then it starts getting a little bit chillier and then we go to Beijing so we need to do a bit of Winter Olympics and I think that is going to be very exciting because Chris I know nothing about the Winter Olympics, but I ordered a book about this, so oh, I, wow. I, I should I should be all read up in time for our first Winter Olympic uh, record. Yes, and uh, well, I guess the only thing I can add to that is uh, we have the Paralympics to look forward to very soon. And I'm very, very excited about that as well. If I can find time, I will make time, but... <laughs> Work, work is not easy at the moment, but there's uh, thankfully Paralympics is on in the middle of the night as well, just like yeah. the Olympics. So, bye bye sleep. Yeah, but um, I mean, the reason you're so busy is, of course, the Gothenburg Fringe Festival happening soon, and all of our Danish listeners should swim over that sea and uh, come yes. over, or, or take the train or the ferry. Come to Gothenburg. Buy lots of tickets. Say hello to me. And, you know, if if Denmark decides to... If all of our Danish fans come to Gothenburg Fringe this year, 8th to the 13th of September, and demand that there must be a live Olympopod next year, then who are we to deny the... The, the will of the people. Thousands of fans. <laughs> <laughs> if you all promise to come, <laughs> we'll do one. Right. Yeah, 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 and you have to promise. You do have to promise, um, and you and you don't even have to be Danish. You can if you promise to go to the Gothenburg Fringe Festival, twenty twenty two. We'll be yes. there. Oh God! Could you imagine doing a live one? No, I, I think there'd be no editing. There'd be no editing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris. <laughs> Is that the end? That's the end. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Oh,